was awesome. Praise the Lord. How many appreciate the music and the worship at Calvary? Well, stand for the reading of God's word. If you're ready, shout, bring it on. I feel like preaching today. I know you don't believe it, but I feel like preaching. Praise the Lord. I love this time of the year. I just do. Because to me, we're at the end of the year. You know, we can look back and maybe everything didn't go just like we wanted it to go. But how many of you can look back and say, Pastor, God's been good to me this year. Come on, make a little bit of noise if God has been good to you this year. But it also, when I, when I come to the end of the year, I'm already looking forward to next year because I'm gonna have a great 2018. Come on, the Bible said you will decree a thing and it shall be established. Put your hand on your chest and say, I'm going to have a great 2018. Make a little noise if that's you, that's how I feel. So I wanna to talk to you today about next. I don't have any change. I was throwing change out last week. I don't have any change. Some of y'all stole it, praise the Lord. I just hope you tithed on it. Come on, somebody. But we are going to teach today. I really feel like I have a download from heaven. I want you to, to, to look to Luke chapter 22, and I'm gonna begin reading at verse 31. I'm gonna really talk today from a version that I don't always talk from, the King James Version. It's just so beautiful, and it came alive to me in this passage as I read it this week. The Bible says here, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he might sift you, somebody say sift, sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. How many of you have been through some stuff and you've seen God be real? And you could probably tell somebody he is a way maker. Can I get a witness? You could strengthen the brethren. Here's what Peter said. Lord, I'm ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And Jesus said, child, please. I tell thee, Peter, the cock, the rooster shall not crow this day before thou dost thrice, three times, deny that you know me. And the Lord said, verse 31, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired you that he may sift you like wheat. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, have you been sifted? Get ready to be shifted. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Yeah. Have you gone through times of sifting? Sifting comes for shifting. That's where I'm gonna teach today. If you wanna get in this anointing, I'm gonna teach you and slip up your hands. We're going in today. Father, release revelation and anointing in the house that you may strengthen and encourage and teach your people. I give you praise. Let's give the Lord a great praise. Come on, clap your hands and be seated. I've only been sifted so I could be shifted. Some of you have been through seasons of sifting and it's only because God is preparing you now for what's next. I, I love this text and the background is very beautiful because this is one of the most amazing stories in all the gospels to me. Jesus has gathered here. He's just hours from beginning his crucifixion ordeal, and he's come with his closest companions, his disciples, 
and they've gathered in the upper room. Isn't it ironic that Jesus gathers and has communion and speaks of the blood and the broken body and the cross, and then 53 days later, there would be an impact of Pentecost, and it would break out in that same room. See, wherever you acknowledge the blood, you can count on the Spirit to fall. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, if it's covered with the blood, the fire will fall on it. Come on. Oh, that's good preaching right there. At any rate, Jesus is there with his disciples, and, and it looks as if this is the Last Supper, but really that's some bad theology. That's not the Last Supper. There's one more great supper, and Christians know it to be the marriage supper of the Lamb. And how many of you are going to that supper? I'm going there, and I'm ordering everything fried with gravy on it. Hallelujah. But I want to take this text and kind of speak to you from my heart today. Jesus is here preparing his disciples for what's to come, and he begins to acknowledge the fact. He turns and looks at Peter, and he says to Peter, Satan has desired you that he might sift you like wheat. Now, if you know Peter, Peter was something else. Peter was an interesting fellow to say the least. He would tell you, I love the Lord. There's nothing I wouldn't do for him. To, to, do I need to fight? I'm ready to fight. Do I do, if push comes to shove, I'll cut somebody's ear off. Come on, whatever it takes. Peter was a man who believed all this when Jesus looked at him and said, Satan has desired you that he might sift you like wheat. Peter turns around and said, I'm ready to die for you. I'm ready to go through any problem with you. And, 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 and I'm, ready to, I'm ready to struggle for you. I'm, I'm, ready to, I'm ready to fight for you. But he didn't understand what was next. He didn't understand the totality of what he would go through. Isn't it amazing that the first time that Jesus ever met Peter, he, he walked up to him and he said, your name is Simon, but from now on you're gonna be called Peter. Isn't that something? That you're gonna look at a man you never met and in a moment change his name? That would be like me coming up to Pastor Jackie and saying, your name is Jackie, but from now on you're gonna be called Joey Jojo Shabadoo. Come on. It is amazing to me that Jesus changed his name in a moment. But here this man is, and when Jesus encounters him, his name is Simon. Now, if you study God's word, uh, you, you'll understand that, 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 that people are often named like their nature. And if you look at the name Simon, it has very many uh, levels of meaning in this name. But the first meaning of the name Simon means to be heard or heard. It literally implies the person that loves to be heard. And here... Peter is, and he certainly was a man who loved to be heard. Peter strikes me as a guy who talked all the time. Do you have any friends that talks all the time? They, he, he was like a motor mouth. He just ran his mouth. Do, do you know anybody that just, they talk, they talk, they talk, they talk, they talk, 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 and you're like, get take some oxygen in, slow down. And you know, very often the most talkative people know the least. Oh yes, Lord, have mercy. It's like there are some people who love to talk just to hear themselves 
talking. I think honestly, they, they seem to enjoy the sound of their own voice. And Peter was a talker. He loved to be heard. But you know what I found out as I've gotten older? Uh, you know, I, I probably know more than I did, I hope so, when I was 30. Now that I'm 53, but I talk less at 53 than I did at 33. And usually wise people spend more time listening than they do talking. Because can I give you a commercial? As long as you're talking, you're only talking what you know. It's when you listen that you get smart, teach Pastor Rayleigh. As long as you talk, you're only talking about the things that you know. If you want to get smarter, sometimes you just got to hush. Yes, thank you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Peter was a man who ran his mouth and talked all the time. And, and, and then Simon's name means this. It meant a wavering reed or, or simply a waverer. And Simon was a waverer. He wavered in his faith. He was strong at the supper table, but weak when trouble hit. He was strong when he was sitting with Jesus, but weak when trouble came to pass. He had great faith when no faith was required. Had you ever been in a season like that do you know folks like that you have great faith when there is no faith required and listen it is easy to have great faith and not waver where there is no faith required but if you'll be honest there's been times that you've wavered haven't you wavered before haven't you had your faith tested but here's the truth baby a faith that has not been tested cannot be trusted so there are seasons that you go through because we need to be strengthened in our faith. If we've ever needed Christians to be unwavering and not be double-minded, we need them today. We need believers that will rise up and believe the book and then live the book. Help me, Holy Spirit. That will not just be strong in the church, but strong outside the church. We carry our faith on our shoulders. We carry our faith with us wherever we go. We are, we are, we are, we are unwavering. Listen, in this world that we live in, a wavering world needs a stable church. It needs a church that believes in the miracle, delivering, saving, healing power of God. Is there anybody here? that you want to take your faith with you outside of this building. Make a little noise if that's you. So, so Simon's name, it means the, the, the one that wants to be heard. It means a wavering reed or simply a waverer. But also if you study Simon's name, his name means sand-like. And I was studying this writer who wrote this out and who'd done much, uh, much looking into this and, and, and much, much of the time that he had spent trying to figure out exactly what Simon's name meant and he came across sand-like. And I was thinking about that. When you put these meanings together, Simon's name can mean a wavering, sandy man, a man who is shifting and a man who is like shifting sand. And honestly, at times, Peter was like shifting sand. He was the guy that could always get it wrong you wouldn't want to give Simon the microphone at church because you never knew what Simon was going to say. Come on. You never knew what would come up out of his mouth. You didn't want to have him pick you up at the airport because he would show up at the train station. Come on, somebody. You wouldn't want to meet him at Cracker Barrel because he would show up at Chili's. 
How many of y'all got some friends just like that? Seems like they can always get it wrong. And I want you to think about his name. His name is like his nature. Every definition points to a characteristic of Simon. He was a man who wanted to be heard. He was a motor mouth, but he was, and he was wavering. He was a wavering reed. He was a shifting sand man. He was strong one minute and weak the next. But notice Jesus comes up to him and he says, you have been called Simon. Simon, shifting sand, wavering sand, the man that wants to be heard, the motor mouth. He said, you've been shifting sand. He said, but here's what's going to happen. Your name is going to be changed to Peter. Now, if you take the name Peter and you define the name Peter, Peter means rock. And he said, listen, son, you've been like shifting sand. You've been wavering. You've been undependable. You've been a motor mouth. You've been shifting. He said, but you're going to hang out with me, and you're not going to be Simon the shifter anymore. I'm going to make you a rock. I'm going to change who you are. You're going to hang out with me, and you're going to be transformed. Help me, Holy Ghost. He said, he said you may seem like sand right now, boy, but there's a rock down inside of you. There's more to you than they than you think there is. Who am I talking to? See, there's more to you than you think there is, and the enemy doesn't want you to know it. Here's what you've got to understand. People call you by your problem, but Jesus calls you by your potential. Hallelujah. Somebody give the Lord a shout if you're glad for a Jesus that sees your potential. Jesus looks at sand and calls him a rock. Jesus looks at a man who's sandy and undependable and calls him a rock, not because he was at that moment, but because of what he had the ability to become. Anybody grateful for a God that doesn't see you as limited, but he knows what he put down inside of you? And hear me now, don't you allow yourself to be captured by this moment that you're living in? Don't allow yourself to be captured by the now. While you're thinking about now, God has already got next in line for you. There is a transformation coming. Somebody better give him praise. He said, you saying right now, but you're going to hang out with me, and we're going to find the rock in you, son. So, so Jesus, fast forward, he met him, calls him Simon, and changes his name to Peter. You've been Simon, but now you're going to be Peter. Fast forward, three years later, they're sitting at the Last Supper. And he looks at Peter, and he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired you because he wants to sift you like wheat, but I'm praying for you called him Simon in all actuality, not even Peter. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired you that he might sift you like wheat. And watch this. He says, but I'm praying for you. Ain't that something? Now, don't miss that. Can you imagine? Jesus says, Peter, Simon, Satan has asked for you, buddy, but I'm praying for you. For real. How many times have people told you they're praying for you and you said, liar, liar, pants on fire. You didn't say it, but you thought it. 
And Jesus said, I'm praying for you. Now, I know all you spiritual folk want to say, well, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He was praying for him. No, what you really ought to be thinking is, wait a minute. You are Jesus. You're Jesus all-powerful. You don't want to hear I'm praying for you. That ain't what you want to hear. You want to hear Jesus say, the devil has desired you, but Peter, I got him on lock. I told him don't mess with you. I took care of him and the horse he rode in on. I got your back, son. You ain't got nothing to worry about. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Satan has desired you that he might sift you like wheat, but I'm praying for you. Don't you know that was just one of those looks that Peter just went, Thank, thank, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I'm praying for you. No, what you want to hear is I took care of him. I took care of him and the horse he rode in on. If somebody came after my children, let me tell you something. Daddy is going to rise up, and I'm going to do more than pray for you. I'm going to take you O to the U to the T. Can I get a witness in the house? You start messing with my woman, my hunk of burning love, I'm going to take you out and then have a healing service. Come on. But I prayed for you, Peter. I prayed for you, son. See, hear me in this room. Can you imagine? Peter probably said, what the what? Isn't it something that years earlier he had called him by a new name, but here in this text, he calls him again by the name Simon. He calls him the sandy man, the shifting man, the loud mouth. See, the truth is, sometimes Peter acted like a rock, and sometimes he still acted like wavering sand. Even since he met Jesus, even since he had been following Jesus, sometimes he acted like a rock, and sometimes he acted like shifting sand. Oh, let me talk to real people here. There's some of you, sometimes you act like a rock and sometimes you act like shifting sand. Preach Pastor Rayleigh. Sometimes you got it together and sometimes you feel like cussing. Oh, help, help me, Holy Ghost. So, sometimes you want to give somebody a one-finger wave on the interstate when they cut you off. Not, not me. Well, pray, pray for Pastor Doan. Hallelujah. <laughs> because, see, ugh, my daddy was sweet. My daddy was so kind. I don't hardly ever remember seeing my dad get mad. And I am 99% James but I am 1% Dorothy. And if Dorothy ever shows up, you better get out of the way. Come on, somebody. I was, we was at the parade last night, and, and I was trying to cross the street. I live right by where the parade was, and I wanted to cross the street with my family. It was cold, y'all. There finally came a point, I wasn't enjoying the parade anymore. 37 degrees, you need to be in the house. Whatever it was, it was cold out there, Don, and you was the one saying, let's go. <laughs> it was cold. She said it was 50-something degrees. Whatever it was, it was cold. Why you got to correct me in front of the whole church? 
You all preach. We're trying to cross the street, and I'm not even gonna say about this man's title was he was so I was about to cross the street. You can't cross the street right now. He was so mean. I mean, it didn't even take all that. He was carrying, he embarrassed me in front of my children. He just kept hollering at us. And and I just I thought, man, Dorothy, you can't come out. You better stay back, Dorothy. Because if Dorothy would have showed up, I might have got arrested. And how would that have looked? But the truth is, sometimes we are Peter and sometimes we are Simon. But aren't you glad for a God that loves you all the time? Aren't you glad for a God that sticks with you? He said, Peter, Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired you that he might sift you like wheat. He, he said, he said, but I, I've got to let it happen, son. I've got to let you go through this process because there's still too much of that old man in you, that old way in you, that old nature in inside of you. So I love you enough to let you be sifted. I love you enough to let you go through some things you don't understand now so I can get you ready for next. Hallelujah. See, sifting in the Bible was a very arduous and intense task. Animals would drag equipment over stalks of corn or wheat in order to separate the corns and the husk, and then the grain would remain there, and often there'd be stones and roots and lumps of soil in the grain, and then the, 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 the sifter would take the seed, and the seed had a mesh on it, and they would take that, 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 that grain, and they would begin to sift it, and they would throw that grain up in the air, and, and the mesh would separate the, 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 the pebbles and the rocks and, and then that soil and that, that, that husk and all that would be caught up in the air and it would blow away and again and again that sifter would begin to sift that wheat in order to get down to what he could use in order to get it where he could use it so he could prepare it to be eaten and here God the Lord tells Peter Peter Satan has desired you I want to shield you from it but I can't I got to let you go through it. He wants to sift you, but I love you enough to let you cry. I love you enough to let you go through seasons you don't understand. I love you enough to let you go through wounded and weary times. See, some of you right now have been through a season where you've been sifted. You've been through a season where you face some things you don't understand, and you're like, what next, God? What have I got to face next? But here's what I got to tell you. God is getting that old man out of you. He's getting that old way out of you. He'll sift you until you let go of unforgiveness. He'll sift you until you let go of anger. Let me talk to you. He'll sift you until you let go of racism. He'll sift you until you let go of the old man because he said, I got a plan for you. I want to put my hand on you, but I can't use you as you are. Somebody give God a praise if you're glad. Too much Simon in your son. Too much of that old nature in you. See, here's the deal. Sifting means the act of separating the finer from the coarser. Ha, huh. put your hand on your chest and tell your neighbor, everything I've gone through is making me finer. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. Some of y'all say, I can't get no finer. Can I get a witness in the house? 
but everything you're going through is making you finer. It's making you more useful. Everything the devil thinks he's going to kill you over, God is going to use it and make you better over it. I came to prophesy to somebody in this room that the sifting you've been involved in in 2014, 15, 16, and 17 is about to turn into the shifting of 2018. Somebody give God a praise if you're ready. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor, you just sit there, but I want to praise God because the sifting brings the shifting. Make a little noise if you're glad that the sifting brings the shifting. Now, now here's the deal. How do you go through it? How do you sit by Jesus, who's Jesus, and then be told what's about to happen? How do you go through it? Here's how Peter went through it. Here's some things Peter knew. Number one, Peter knew that Jesus loved him. See, you gotta believe that even in hard times that the Lord loves you. Even when you face things you don't understand, the Lord loves you. He's just sifting you. He's just getting you ready. Do you know how to tell if you really have a friend that loves you? You know you got a real friend that loves you when you do something stupid or say something stupid and they stick with you. And because they stick with you, everybody around y'all thinks that they are as stupid as you are. Have you ever stuck with stupid friends? Just because, where's the real folk at? You know you got a real friend when they stick with you when you're stupid and they look stupid for sticking with you. How do you tell a real friend? Proverbs 17, 17 said a friend loves at all times and a brother is born in adversity. You wanna find out who your real friends are? Stumble and fall. You wanna find out who your real friends are? Say something stupid. Go through adverse times and the people that are with you then, they are with you, baby. They're your real friends. Now, I thank God that Jesus has stuck with me through some stupid seasons. He stuck with me when I've been stupid. Now, I know that my homiletic, my hermeneutic uh, teacher would be upset if he was here today and heard that I'd actually used the word stupid in church while I was preaching, but honestly, I've done worse than that. Come on, jackass season. Can I get a witness in the house? I've done a lot worse than that, so this ain't nothing. Tell your neighbor, this ain't nothing. But you know what Forrest Gump said, to quote that great theologian, Forrest Gump said, mama said, stupid is that stupid does, and stupid people do stupid things, and I've been stupid before. Tell your neighbor, don't act like you ain't been stupid. Come on, don't act like you hadn't run your mouth, carried on, acted crazy. I'm talking about since you've been washed in the blood, and tie my bow tie, and untie my bow tie, and she came on a Honda, she left on a Yamaha, you've still been stupid, but anybody glad for a God that'll stay with you even when you're crazy? Eat. Oh, come on, somebody. How did Peter endure it? He knew that Jesus loved him. Secondly, Peter endured it because Peter knew that Jesus knew the future. In other words, he knew that this thing that I'm going through won't last forever. See, I can face almost anything if I know that it won't last forever. 
I can go through almost any season if I know that it won't last forever. See, understand this. Peter knew that Jesus knew the future, and he knew that Jesus loved him. And Jesus was using this process to develop something in him called character. Oh, let me talk to you. See, God will use your hard times to develop character. Oh, my, my. How many of you are better because of what you've been through? How many of you are kinder because of what you've been through? The very thing that the devil thought he would kill you over is the thing that God uses to develop character in your life. No one is born with character. Character must be developed. Some of y'all say, not me. My children were born with character. You better take a deep breath and get some oxygen in your brain. Your children are not born with characters. They, they may be characters. Come on, somebody. But nobody is born with character. You got to live life to get character. You got to go through hell sometime to get character. You got to face some lonely nights and hard days. But when you come through it, you're able to stand up and say, you know what? He is a way-making God. He is a promise keeper. In God, you got character developed in the process. See, Peter knew that Jesus knew the future, and Jesus knew that it would take this to push out Simon and Peter the Rock rise to the forefront. But listen to this. He knew, he knew that he could face it if it didn't last forever, and we can face almost anything if we know it won't last forever. Even a boring sermon. I've sat in church sometimes and it was so dead I could smell the embalming fluid. Can I get a witness? And I've sat in there and I, the sermon is so dry. You say, what do you do, Pastor? I just chill. Because I know it's got to end sometimes. That joker's going to get hungry sooner or later, and when he gets hungry, I'm out. Come on. Listen, after three and a half hours, it is no longer a sermon. It is a hostage situation. Call SWAT up in here. Y'all know in the old church, they didn't even let you leave. You got up to leave to go to the bathroom. The pastor called you out. My God, you've been here four hours. I'm only human, can I get a witness? What I'm trying to tell you is this, there are times, honey, when the Lord will allow you to go through things because he wants to, he wants to sift you because there's a shifting on the horizon and it will not last forever. Hear me in this room, I said it will not last forever. I said it will not last forever. Some of y'all say, I love my job, I'm sure you do. I got a good job. Do those words actually go together, good and job? Come on. I love my job. Well, why don't you work for free? Do you know why you're able to go to work on Monday? 
because you know on Friday you're going to get off. You know why you go in at nine? Because you know you're going to get off at five. But let me tell you why else you go. You see, here's the deal. We can face the sifting and the hard times when we know that the result is worth what we went through to get it. We go to work because we know at the end of the week there's going to be payday someday. And I came with a word for you. Whatever you've been through, God will take you through it. And there is reward on the other side when God is involved in it. Now, watch this. We can face things when we know it won't last forever. So I've come with a word. Who's been going through some things in the last season? I thought so. Whatever pain you've been going through, don't give up. God will only allow his children to go through trouble for so long, and then he will step in. God will only allow you to weep for so long, and then he will step in. He will only allow you to go, I feel like preaching. He will only allow you to go through hard times for so long, and then he will step in. I dare somebody to give God praise if you believe that he can step in. Oh, better yet, give God praise if he's ever stepped in in your life. Check it out. Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired you that he might shift you as wheat. The next thing Peter knew was that Jesus had authority. See, see Jesus has power over demons and devils. When he arrived in Gadaria and the, and the man that had a legion of devils came up to him, it was like they, 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 he ran up and he said, sir, may we be excused? Come on, somebody. Jesus has power over devils. Jesus has authority. And can I say something? If you've really got power over devils, we think that that volume determines power. I've watched people get in deliverance services and they holler, devil. Listen, let me tell you something. If you really got power, you can whisper and demons will go running. If you really got power, you can whisper. You, you, oh, Jesus. I remember when I was preaching in, in Maryland, I was preaching right outside of D.C., and I was in a church. It was a great church filled up. It was an African church, and there's a mighty, mighty church right in at Silver Springs outside of D.C., and the power went off, man, and I was preaching. It was full of people, and I was preaching with a, with a, a, a flashlight in my face, and still the power of God was dropping in that place like a bomb. The glory of God was being poured out. I had no microphone or nothing, and I was in looking at the delivering power of God. Man, it was just all over that room and I had that flashlight in my face and a woman slithered to the front like a snake, so full of the devil. You say, Pastor Reddy, what did you do? Did you holler? Did you scream? No, I set her off to the side and I whispered to that devil that you have to go and you have no authority and in a moment, that woman went from full of the devil to calling on the name of Jesus. I'm trying to tell you that Jesus has authority and when you speak to him, any devil in the name of Jesus, you got that same authority. He knew Jesus had authority, and he knew Jesus knew the future. And he knew that if Jesus said it was going to happen, then the die had been cast, the blueprints had been drawn, he was going to go through it. And I want to say this. Some of you have been going through shifting in 2017, but now you will experience shifting in 2018. 
God's got to take you through what he's taken you through to get you where he said you would be. I don't know who I'm talking to, but somebody in this room, you've been going through a season of sifting and it seems like it's been for years, but the Lord has just been dealing with you. He's been getting that old man out. He's been getting that stuff out of you that would keep you from being productive in his presence and fit to do his will. So that process has been important. But I don't know, I don't know if you can handle it, but God's about to turn somebody's sift into a shift. God, the 2018 is a year of shifting. Do you hear me in this house? I said 2018 is a year of shifting. Better yet, why don't you throw your hands in the air and say 2018. Shout it out, say 2018 is my year of shifting. If you believe it, give God a praise. My children are gonna shift. My family's gonna shift. My son is gonna shift. My daughter is gonna shift. get that motor mouth out of you. Simon, I gotta get that waiver out of you. I gotta get that man out of you that wants to go his own way. I gotta get that man out of you that has his own agenda. But let me tell you, son, when I'm done with you, you're gonna be a rock. When I'm done with you, I'm gonna be able to depend on you. The sifting work. Peter denied Jesus, thought it was over. But 53 days after his greatest failure and most intense sifting, who is the premier preacher on Pentecost Sunday? Builds a church of thousands that quick. It wasn't Simon. It was Peter. Now let me wind this down. Peter was a man who went through sifting. But in that upper room, 53 days later, earlier, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired you. You know, he desires every one of you in this room. He has desired you that he may sift you like wheat. In other words, Peter, he wants to show you out to be a fake. He wants to prove you out to be somebody who wasn't fit for the task. Conjunction. But I have prayed for you. And watch this. It didn't stop there. And when thou art converted. Mm -hmm. strengthen your brethren it's amazing to me I'm going to let you face it but whatever you go through I'm going to use it to use you 
When you are converted, use what you went through to show somebody else that they can get through it too. See, some of y'all don't need anybody to tell you, oh, you, you he's a way maker. You already know he's a way maker. You don't need somebody to tell you he's a healer, a redeemer, or a provider. Make a little noise if you've lived long enough and you already know it and you can strengthen somebody. If people knew your story, they would understand your praise. <laughs> when you are converted, what does convert mean there? To convert in this text and in this instant, it means to, 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 to take something I have that I have and turn it into a more useful commodity in his hands, in his hands. It would be like me when I go overseas and I travel and I preach, I have money. I have American money, but I can't use it in the nations that I'm in. So I give it to a representative and that lady takes my money and she converts it into money that I can use and it becomes a more useful commodity in my hands. That doesn't mean she prays the sinner's prayer with it when she converts it, come on. But she converts it into something I can use in my hands. And that act is so easy to understand when you realize that gas is converted to electricity. Electricity is converted to heat. It's all that conversion. It becomes more useful in its next dimension. And hear me in this room. Hear me in this room. God is allowing you to be converted. God wants to make you more useful in his hands. He wants to take you from one thing to the next so he allows you to be sifted. But I don't know about you, but I'm at a place in my life where I can say, Lord, I want to be a useful commodity in your hands I want you to be able to use me the way you want to use me Simon I can't use you like you are what you have been is good you followed me and you've been faithful to follow me but there is so much more so I will allow you to be sifted and when you are converted when you are changed strengthen the brethren now this is where I've been trying to get to this whole entire service. I want to talk to you about our family, about our church family. Last Sunday we had one of our record crowds for the whole year. Our church has been climbing. Our campuses are booming. God has been good to us. Somebody give God a praise for his goodness in your church. Our church is in for big change in 2018 because the Lord spoke to me and he said, I want to strengthen that house. So we're in the, in, in the midst right now of a conversion. We're making some changes. And I was praying last year and anybody that knows me knows that I am not a man who can maintain. I'm not a man who just wants to survive and get by. And I thank God for the thousands of people that come to Calvary and the campuses that we have and the influence that the Lord has given us. But I was arrested last year and I said, Lord, there's got to be more. Uh, actually this year, early this year, I said, Lord, there's got to be more. There must be more. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, book of Acts. He said, study the book of Acts, study the writings of Paul and you'll find out where the more is. So I began to pray and cry out to God and say, Lord, where is the next level for this church? Now I've preached in this house for over 20 years. 
I've been preaching the gospel for 33 years. I plan to be in this place as long as I can. But here's the deal. This next season can't be built around Jim Rayleigh because Jim Rayleigh is not going to be here forever. Come on. I'll be here at least 40 more years, but not forever. Come on, somebody. But we can't build a church around a personality or a preacher. At the end of the day, it's got to be Jesus Christ and his mighty work. And it's got to be people like you and me who are committed to this house and committed to what the Lord is doing. In the last year, 18 months, you've heard us talk more about small groups. And the Lord dealt with me so strongly that we need to focus our church towards small groups because that's what they did in the book of Acts. That's what they did in the New Testament. They would have their service, their, their weekly gathering on the first day of the week and the power of God would be poured out and then they would gather in homes and then they would rise up and, and there would be small group leaders in homes and, and that's how they won the world. That's how Christianity grew because Christianity was not contained in the four walls of the church. And see, we have tried to contain something that we should not be containing the real power of God needs to be found outside of these walls. It doesn't just need to be in this house, precious. It needs to be in your house. So the Lord laid on my heart that we need to have 5,000 people in small groups. 5,000. And I said, Lord, how can we do it? How can we make this happen? Lord, people are so busy right now as it is. How can we make this happen? And we had a representative from the largest church in the nation that does small groups. They have 45,000 people in small groups in their city. And we sat down and we began to talk and I knew this was the Lord. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, you got to raise up leaders in your church because we can't lose our young people. We can't lose our children. We can't lose the next generation. And the Lord began to share with me about small groups that would meet across our city throughout the week. Whatever you're doing, you say, well, does it have to be a, a Bible class? Does it have to be this? No, you do whatever you're doing add a scripture to it and pray together. There'll be Bible studies. There'll be all kinds of things that'll go on. But if you go to Panera on Thursday at eight, keep going there and just get a small group around you. And here's the deal. Everybody in your small group doesn't need to come to Calvary. In fact, you hope that some of them won't because that's how they're going to come to Calvary. They're going to find out about your small group and they're going to find out that you are normal I said normal and they're going to see your witness and they're going to connect to this house and this house is going to explode in growth. You watch what God does. We must do this right, however. And so the Lord began to talk to me about that and I called Pastor Troy up and he said, I knew what we needed to do, but I didn't think you would ever be willing to do it. 
And the Lord spoke to me and he said, there are so many leaders in this church right here that you, don't, you need to do more than just come to church and, and sit down because what, what happens is many of you are connected, but some of you are not. And what I've seen happen is all the thousands of people that come to this church, there would be people that would come to our church and they would come for a couple of years, but they would fail to connect. They would love the experience and not connect and then slide out and go to another church because they didn't connect at this one. But then they're not mad. They don't hate nobody. They're not upset with anybody. But then they begin to long for the Calvary experience because how many know Calvary's got an incredible anointing on it? And they would come back, but they would fail to connect. And the Lord said, it's time to shut that back door that people come. And they don't look for relationships outside the family of God. They build relationships within the family of God. So the Lord spoke to me, and he said, book of Acts. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to start something called First Wednesdays. First Wednesdays are going to be the Wednesday night once a month that we meet. Now, we have a very strong Wednesday night service. And I, I was trying to tell the Lord all about that. And the Lord said to me, do you want to touch hundreds or do you want to touch thousands? He, that, that Wednesday night, that first Wednesday night is going to turn into straight up Holy Ghost, devil robbing, sin killing, cancer rebuking, marriage restoring, child saving, revival every first Wednesday. And I believe it's going to look like a Sunday. Can I get a witness in the house? And then throughout the, the, the rest of the weeks, we're going to ask you to either join a small group or lead a small group. Some of you say, well, I don't need a small group. I've got relationships at Calvary. Maybe it's not about you. Maybe it's about you rising up to lead a small group in your community or in your area. And people will connect. I'm going to lead a small group. You know why? Because Jesus led a small group. It's called 12 Disciples. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to step out in faith, and we're going to become a family. And, and that first Wednesday, I've already got it scheduled. We're going to start this in February. I've already got it scheduled. Now, we're going to have Wednesday this Wednesday, and we're going to have Wednesday the first few Wednesdays of the year. Now, this Wednesday, we are bringing in a world-renowned speaker. I can't wait to hear this speaker speak. It's Pastor Don Rayleigh. Hallelujah. My favorite speaker. You're my favorite. Even if you correct me in front of the church, you're my favorite. I love you. So, the Lord dealt with me about this. I laid in the floor. I wept and cried. I sought the Lord. I actually talked about this today, and uh, President uh, Grimes, Mrs. Grimes was here, BCU, formerly Judge Grimes, now President Grimes. Ain't that good news? <laughs> but President Grimes said to me, he said, Pastor, while you were talking, I said, yes, that's what we're going to do. We're going to have Calvary groups all over BCU. What do you think about that? I had unveiled this plan. Can I just talk to you from my heart? Some of y'all are sitting, I, I just want to talk to you because you got to know where we're headed. I had unveiled this plan, and when I unveiled this plan, it was on, I think, a Thursday at All Staff Chapel. Nathan Morris, who is a prophet of God, 
He's a man of God. He has the purest heart. He had no idea what was going on. He comes the very next Sunday. I could not believe what he said. Watch this. Because Jesus was about to step into another realm that he, they'd never seen before. You see, Jesus knew that he could not really reach the Greeks until he had been to the cross, until he'd shed his blood. There had to be a metamorphosis. You see, Jesus was saying, in the form I'm in, I can't do what I was supposed to do. See, sometimes people only recognize you in the form that you were in. People will try and limit you because they don't see that you're standing on the premises, the precipice of a supernatural transformation. See, Calvary, what I'm trying to say is, you know, Brother Barnett, he said to you, he said, what God's done in 20 years is great, but you can do more. It was in that moment that I realized Jesus was using the seed to show them that the next level would demand a greater sacrifice, that there had to be a metamorphosis of change. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying to you. See, Jesus was using the seed to show you the cross. But this morning, the Holy Spirit is using the seed to show you what's about to happen not only in Calvary but in your life in your family somebody say metamorphosis metamorphosis there's coming a change there's coming a change Jesus said I've healed I've walked on water I've raised your dead I have shown the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the wouldn't sees and the couldn't sees. I've argued as long as I'm gonna argue. I've tried with everything that God gave me to speak, I have spoken. But now I will do no more in this current form. I gotta shift into a whole new place because the Lamb of the Passover was about to be Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the blood, the Here's the question. Could it be? Come on. Could it be that you've gone as far as you're gonna go in the form that you are in? I said, Calvary, could it be that you've gone as far as you're gonna go? In your current form. You see, Jesus could have stayed. He could have talked with the, the, the Greeks. He could have reasoned with them. But he said, no, I've got to make a way not just for the Greeks, but for every tribe and every tongue and every nation. What I'm about to do, I'm about to die so I can step into the harvest. Ah, uh, you don't know what I'm saying to you. The journey of Calvary has been the process. Some things have to pass over you. But God was doing a work on the inside of you. That God was moving a good church. Not only to be a great church, but a church of the harvest. 
a church that knows supernatural increase, supernatural power, supernatural miracles. There had to be a metamorphic change. Some people had to go, some people had to die in themselves, but those that remained are about to see something you've never seen before. And if you receive that, get on your feet and give God a shout right now. Come on, give God a shout right now. So here's what I know. The next dimension is not in Jim Rayleigh. It's not in me preaching another message. It's in people like you that will be salt and light. You say, well, pastor, I don't feel qualified. Yeah, that's why you've been, that's why you've been sifted. That's why you've gone through what you've gone through. And God's gonna use you, amen, in this next season. Now, we're gonna have small group leadership training. I want you to be a part of that. But if you don't lead a small group, I want you to join one. And they're gonna meet at different times of the year. They're not gonna meet all year round. But it's gonna be a powerful process. And here's how we're gonna do it. Here are our truths that we will lean on and rely on. Love, honor, and positivity. Come on, who's gonna go with me? Who's gonna open your heart and say, God, whatever you wanna do. Come on, who will say, God, whatever you wanna do, you can use me in the next season. Come on, get radical with me. Raise your hands. Who will say, God, you can use me in the next season. Father, I decree and declare that in the next season, these folks right here are gonna lead the charge with me in this entire region. And we tell you, devil, you cannot have this area that we are gonna have 5,000 people that will meet throughout this area and it will not be contained in the church. But devil, we are coming into your camp. We are coming after you and we are taking this gospel to the world. And if you'll be a part of it, give God a shout right now. We're gonna close in prayer. I want you to reach over and touch a neighbor on the shoulder. Pastor Troy is gonna close in prayer. If you're visiting with us, stop in the back. We wanna meet you. We love you. God bless you. Thank you so much. Amen. All right. If you're our guest today, if you'll go out uh, after I close, if you go out, there's a room to the left. You can stop by.